I thought I already had enough complaints about comicsology big picture. <laughs> I hadn't even considered Marvel Comics horrid double numbering system. Uh, <laughs> it's just so opaque. Like I, I was going to get this book off of comicsology. Fortunately, I didn't because I don't even know what's going on with comicsology now. But uh, I just happened to see Hawkeye on the shelf at chapters. And I was like, oh, that's the one we're reading. I'll just get it now. And then like crossed my fingers and hoped it was the right one. Yeah. <laughs> right. It, it, it does kind of feel like Marvel. And I don't know if DC is the same as this. I haven't read enough to really compare. But it does kind of seem like, well, wing in a prayer that this is the comic that I'm looking for. Like, heaven forbid, you try to coordinate in like a book club. Right. Uh, only only an idiot would try to coordinate a comic-based book club though, right? Like so you're supposed to buy it from uh, your local comic shop hang, hang one, on, hang one on. month at a time. <laughs> to, be fair, to be fair, when you coordinate a comic book club with independent comics, it's a very straightforward transaction. And when uh -huh. you there are multiple manga-based podcasts where this is also not a problem. You just say we're gonna read this manga volume. That's one, true. Three. That's true. Um, you do Although, have to like, be careful yeah. with manga, whether you're getting like the small <laughs> editions or the double-sized editions. Yeah, now they're starting like older classic series. It's like the they're doing yeah. the three in ones. That's you know, but that's there's still only like three options there. It's either somehow you have a copy of Shonen Jump, which you don't, or you are getting like standard volumes, or you're getting the double volumes. There's only three ways to get those books. Whereas like Hawkeye, like. I don't know how getting, many ways are there to get Hawkeye. Are you getting the omnibus? Are you getting the the original trade collection? Are you getting the like prestige like creator spotlight run? I mean, see, I think you're making those up. I don't think those are all real things. Uh, you don't know. No, you wouldn't know. I could. I could not be lying. You wouldn't know. Um, We've played this game before. So Jeff, Jeff, and us have a game where Jeff will describe a plot from a comic book series and it's up to us to guess like us just generally the people who are hanging around just to to guess if he's like totally just making it up or if that is a real plot from a comic book you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is getting a little more complicated with with manga with those with those reprints but like i've noticed with with marvel the thing i've noticed recently is that they're all about like creator spotlights like in that yeah that's true it's like there's the famous brian michael bendis alex maleev run of daredevil and so they'll take the first appearance of that specific creator thing and they'll issue that as a number one and number two number three number four number five and it's that run of that creator and then like you're like oh but before that there was kevin smith and various artists and it's like oh well that's a separate one and two and you're like but chronologically it's one two three four five like no but we're not we're not numbering them in the order they were published in we're just like here's here's matt fractions hawkeye volumes one two three four or we put that all in a bigger book called volume one <laughs> and if you want volume two that's actually volumes five six seven eight so, yeah. so, so <laughs> but this, it's issues like 25 26 27 <laughs> so this um this extended complaint session uh we're leading in with is because i've uh i've read the trade paperback my life is a weapon and little hits which is volumes one and two of what i thought was hawkeye by matt fraction and you have both read the omnibus it's hawkeye has, the saga of barton and bishop which i guess would comprise volumes three and four as well yeah um, so apparently i i had a moment where i was like maybe i'll buy volume three and read that so i have extra context for the episode but and this is going to be pertinent to our review i saw that david aha wasn't the artist and i was like eh <laughs> <laughs> All right, so to sum up, this episode <laughs> is going to be that part of Hawkeye. It's either the first two volumes of the skinny collection or the first half of the giant thing. 
And then we're going to do another episode with the other half of the giant thing or volumes three and four. Yes. After I've, after I've caught up. (laughs) (laughs) Guys. And uh, to be clear, Jeff was the one who picked this. Yes. (laughs) I see. I was like, we'll just do a nice light superhero two volume little trade paperback. I didn't consider like, oh, right. Cause there's omnibus omnibi. I didn't think about the omnibi. And, and this was your second choice. The other, the first choice being something that you thought would be harder to get the right issues for. Yes, which just for anyone who's curious, I wanted to read David Mack's run writing Daredevil after Kevin Smith before Brian Michael Bendis. But God help you if you want to find that in a trade paperback form, because it's not like they've taken it and just numbered it where you could go, oh, Kevin Smith, one and two, David Mack, three and four. Brian Michael Bendis, five and six. No, no, no. They all have different formats, different cover designs, different number systems. Marvel, get your shit together. That's what I gotta say. (laughs) You know, I'm I'm out here. I'm putting my neck out. I'm recommending superhero books to my friends that don't read superhero books. And you just can't create a comprehensive number system to make this easy like i can't just say start with volume one because what is that what is volume one we don't know what volume one is yeah. anyway cannot be done so yeah so we are going to be talking about uh the matt fraction hawkeye series and maybe i have some artist information but maybe before i get into that we have our usual character building question and so inspired by uh, my reading of Hawkeye, I was going to ask you guys, what does community mean to you? Oh, what a nice question. Oh, nice question, but hard to answer. Very I hard to answer. Recognize that as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay, because I feel like I've been a part of several different communities and several different areas that could be construed as communities, but didn't feel that way to me. So I'm going to think on that for a moment. Um, I think I'm going to go with a very simple answer because I've been doing, uh, like I'm taking a university class and uh, one of the projects I had to do was a community analysis of the, the town that I work in. And it was really interesting to sort of get to know the, the history and more about the community and uh, like things that, I've been working in this town for like almost 15 years and there were still like a lot of things I didn't know about it. So in, in one sense, a community is just the, the place where you happen to end up where there's a bunch of other people too, and somehow you have to all get along with each other. <laughs> so that's, I mean, that's sort of the, I, there's, I know there's other definitions, maybe even better definitions, but I think that is one important definition is the idea that you just happen to all be geographically in the same place. So and the, then you got to deal with that. The crucible perspective of community. <laughs> yes. Like we're all bound by this thing. Yeah. And there's no way to like untie those bounds. Those, bound, those binds are, are permanent. Interesting. Okay. I have a very different, but more abstract definition of what community means to me. I'm ready. So to me, community means a group of people who have at least one thing in common and they support each other, even if their specific goals might be different. So for example, if you are in a, a neighborhood right? That has a sense of community, right? You know, like that would be the geographic kind of crucible that you're describing. But when it feels like a community versus when it doesn't is that everyone just generally wants people to be okay. You know, like you don't want someone to starve or be in poverty or be in danger, but you don't care if it's like whatever the the person who likes to ride their bike, the person who has their garden, the person who has three dogs, you know, like, I don't care if this person has dogs, but I want them to be happy with their dogs because they seem to like that. Uh, So from an abstract sense, the reason I, I came up with that definition is because normally when I think of community, it's, it's more online based for me. So for example, a particular fandom community, right? You're all bound together by, you're all fans of this thing. 
but you have people who ship different stuff. You know, you have people who it's like, I just, I really want to drill into this aspect of this character and I'm going to write like a 500 page epic about this specific thing. And you're like, go do that thing, you know, <laughs> like, but I'm not, I'm not going to read it, but like, I, I totally respect what you're doing. And like, uh, someone's coming after your fandom, like you all band together. You're like, Hey, yo, yo. The web comics community is another interesting example, right? Web comics or just online comics in general, indie comics, maybe. We're all over the world. The only thing that binds us together is the fact that we all have this really weird hobby. <laughs> and we don't necessarily care who's doing what, you know? Like the comics that we make are all very different, but we're like, yeah, go for that. I support you. Oh, you're fundraising in this way. I'll support that. That's interesting. Or uh, sometimes someone in our community gets sick or needs to fundraise for medical things. And like, there is this sense of like, no, this is one of our own. We should come together to support and uplift this person who is part of our community, but had some bad luck. So yeah, you have something in common and you want them to succeed and everyone wants everyone else to succeed and be happy, even if you have different specific goals. I like that. I mean, I wish that geographic communities <laughs> had that, but clearly they don't. They do not. There, there are geographic communities that are like that. And if you find it, it's considered really special, I think, yeah. uh -huh. th these days. Um, wow, that's, I really like that answer. I mean, I feel like that hits a lot of the definitions I would also conjure up. Um, though I think like John is also onto something there. Cause I mean, I think for me, the biggest community I'm a part of is the Cloudscape Comics community. That's like sort of the, the sponsor of this podcast, I guess. And yeah, sort of like we have this one thing in common, which is comics and we get together and we do a bunch of stuff and we want each other to succeed at comics, trying to bolster each other's, you know, approach to comics. But like, I also think maybe specifically with Cloudscape, it is also bound by geography because it is the Vancouver comics community. And, you know, I, I, I definitely sometimes feel like in that bigger sense of like, well, this is, we're all in this comics community together. So we have to figure <laughs> out how to get along with each other. Um, but yeah, it's, I think you guys uh, both defined it very well. I don't know if I have much more to add on to that. I sort of feel like a, an amalgamation of those two things really feels like community to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because uh, I mentioned this community analysis I did and reading about the history of this town. And like one of the things I learned is that they're like in the first part of the 20th century, as much as maybe a third of the community was Japanese Canadian. And it is sure not that Kate, that way now. Wow. So like that is absolutely an example of a community not coming together and actually pulling itself apart and taking a third of the community and putting them in internment camps. Awful. Yeah. And to think that like you've, you've lived there for a while and you didn't even know this. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, there are still some Japanese Canadians living in that community and there is some streets with Japanese names, which is interesting. Mm. So obviously like there's some, there the, the history is there, it's there to be found, but no, it's not something that people talk about. Hmm. Wow, well, yeah, I mean, well, that is something we don't talk about. Um, <laughs> oh. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> Comics, huh? Yeah. Comics. <laughs> okay, well, I feel like there's going to be some more scheduled uh, complaints about things, but before we get into that, let's talk about the creators. So we are dealing with a Marvel comic series, which means that sometimes due to deadlines, other people get brought in to pencil and illustrate. So I'm going to be listing a whole bunch of names right now. So our writer is, uh, of course, Matt Fraction, uh, who we've covered before. And so that's his nom de plume in his writing career. He's, uh, he wrote Sex Criminals, which we also covered on this podcast, but he is also known for his work on Invincible Iron Man, Immortal Iron Fist, uh, Uncanny X-Men, and of course, Hawkeye. So he's very well versed in both doing independent and mainstream series. Um, he's the consistent writer throughout this. The main artist in the series is David Aha, who's a Spanish-born cartoonist. 
known for his work on Immortal Iron, Iron Fist and Hawkeye. And he has a fine arts degree from the University of Salamanca. This is like, uh, I think his big breakout work as an artist. And then uh, sort of backing up uh, some of the stories is Javier Polito, who's also a Spanish born uh, comic book artist who's got a resume that includes uh, Robin Year One, She-Hulk, and Amazing Spider-Man. And then sort of helping tie it all together is the other constant in the series, which is Matt Hollingsworth, the colorist, who trained at the Joe Kubert School of Comics, uh, graduated in 1991. And I think his approach to color is definitely something that helps hold it all together. And then in volume two, we also have Francisco uh, Francavilla, Annie Wu, Steve Lieber, and Jesse Ham, also uh, all doing uh, pinch hitting to, to do a couple issues or a couple pinups uh, throughout the second volume. Wow, that's a wide roster. <laughs> yeah. It takes a village to write some yes. comics sometimes. <laughs> So Hawkeye is, of course, focusing on the famous Avenger that we all know from the movies. He's a slightly different character. And part of my reason for recommending this is the the latest Marvel Disney Plus series is sort of based on this miniseries. And it introduces the character of Kate Bishop, who's a big part of this series. And um, we sort of have a, a young woman as the new Hawkeye and then this sort of older grizzled man as the sort of senior veteran Hawkeye uh, and their shenanigans and adventures uh, in the Marvel universe. So it's a pretty quirky, stylish series, which, uh, yeah, I'm interested to know your thoughts on, though I don't know if we want (laughs) to cover quickly how how awful comicsology has become, or if we want to save that till after. <laughs> oh, I, I have more to complain about with regards to issue ordering, actually. So uh, I know it's my kind of, it's become my role within <laughs> Trade Waiters to be the one who's just kind of like superheroes, why? But I want to say that it's like, I don't have anything against superheroes per se I'm really trying I'm really really trying to give it a fair shot and eventually I did enjoy this series however however I gotta say like the structure of this omnibus that you and I bought John is like openly hostile to New Yes, Year's. it absolutely is <laughs> so <laughs> so yeah just to go back like you I I'm the perfect caricature of like the person that you just described Jeff which is like oh there is this this uh new series on disney plus that everyone has been talking about that is based on this matt fraction david aja run aja david aja run and Uh the david aha's run and it's very iconic you know the cover of this omnibus that john and i read it is a david aha cover you know like it is very kind of iconographic and so i am not going to be alone in this perspective of like oh you know i've heard of hawkeye because I've seen the Avengers movie and now there's this series, maybe I should read a Hawkeye comic book to try and understand it. And oh, this arc is supposed to be good. Okay, fine, great. Purchase this book. It's about Hawkeye. It's about Ethan Hawk Hawkeye, right? Open it up. What is first? Why, of course, it's Young Avengers number six. <laughs> oh, what? Yeah, see, uh, Jeff, I don't know if you even had this in your version, but mine okay. had this too, where the first like chapter is I guess when the two Hawkeyes first meet which is in right. a totally other series and yeah. like different artists different it's not writer. Fraction it's I've, not David A. Aja I, it's oh, like... I forgot sorry I forgot to give credit yeah that's Alan Davis who penciled that and I think Matt Fraction wrote it okay yeah Same oh, all right Matt but Fraction like... wrote it but it's another artist and yeah so that was the end of volume one for me so I read all the David Aha, Matt Fraction stuff. And then at the very end, they had this weird Alan Davis, Young Avengers thing, which so I was that's like- that's not even in order then. Why is this so, even and, and this is what it gets even worse. I feel like that would have been better. So it's like, it's chronologically in order, 
because this is where Kate Bishop and Ethan Hawke meet for the first time. But Clint then Barton. if you Clint Bark, he's why right. Why do I keep Clint saying Barton. Ethan Hawke? Who's Ethan Hawke? Uh, some Hawk? actor, I don't know. <laughs> okay, I'm trying my best. Yeah. <laughs> Clint Bark. You can just call him Hawk Guy. Hawk Guy. <laughs> and uh and then I, so I start reading this Young Avenger stuff and I'm like, wait, what's, what's going on? And so I go to the index and the index of our omnibus lists Young Avengers number six at the end. <laughs> and so like, it was just like so confusing and the punchline, like they don't, because it's number six, all of the characters that you're reading about, you're supposed to already know about. Yeah. Uh, and like the punchline of this little mini issue is keep bishop's rich but i'm like was i supposed to know that like i, I, like, I didn't know this so yeah. i'm i i have beef not only with like mm. how hard it is just to find this damn arc but like the structure of this omnibus i feel was openly oh. hostile to new readers it oh, took me a while to get over that okay yeah, and i think like having read other it's been a while since i read superhero comics regularly so i don't know any of the current soap opera drama that's going on uh, like half of the characters are new characters since 20 years ago, and I don't know their deal. Um, so I'm I'm in the same boat as you, Jam, where like, I don't know who Kate Bishop is. I don't know who any of the Young Avengers are. Uh, I only now know them from like stuff that happened 20 years ago or from movies. Right. So like, uh, I feel like this is not even the worst example of like being thrown into the deep end. I feel like apart from that first chapter, like most of the rest of this kind of hangs together as yeah. something like a real story. Yes. Like that first even chapter, the... like I got nothing out of that. I don't, I don't know why that's there. I mean, I have a lot of respect for Alan Davis. He uh, did some of my favorite comics when I was reading superheroes long ago, but this isn't his best work. It's not very, very representative. It doesn't tell me anything about the characters. Like I don't, I don't need it. I don't want it to be there. Yeah. Can I, sorry. Can I confirm uh, also like, so it's the young Avengers story that starts in central park yeah. and Kate bishops on a date. Yes. And they do the archery contest for the bow. Yes. Uh -huh. okay. And, and hot guy is yeah. the bad guy. Yeah. Kind of. I don't feel like it explained more. It just made me more confused. No. Yeah. And it wasn't, <laughs> I mean, that was just a bad story too. Cause it's like, Kate Bishop's minding your own business. Hawkeye shows up and is like, "Hey, I'm Hawkeye. If if I win this archery contest, I get the bow." And so he wins the archery contest and takes the bow. And then Kate Bishop's sad, and then she shows up at his apartment and then steals the bow. And then he's Hawkeye's like, "Hey, you earned it by stealing the bow back." <laughs> and you're just like, "What?" why are we telling what is the point of this story like <laughs> he starts with the bow and ends with the bow and it like i don't know she had to give it up and then steal it back but like what is that even like yeah very very <laughs> strange but then like you get to to quote unquote chapter two of this book which is the first issue of the matt fraction david aja run and it's like Hawkeye, like very dramatically falling off a building and trying to shoot an arrow. And it says, okay, this looks bad. Like that's a perfect page one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If yeah. this had been like my experience as like a new reader, like a quote unquote right. new reader to like trying to like, oh, let's just try some Hawkeye. If I had opened up that book and that had been page one, I would have been like, cool, let's go. You know, right. but instead yeah. I was like literally Which... sent on a wrong turn, I feel. Right. Which, on purpose <laughs> yeah yeah which if you had bought the version i had bought that would have been your page one oh. <laughs> <laughs> which is like who's making these decisions like just put things in order like there's an order there's a there's a story order to you can put these things in and i'm buying a hawkeye book i'm not buying young avengers i don't care if the first appearance of Hawkeye and Kate Bishop was Young Avengers. Just I want Matt Fraction, David Aha, Hawkeye. Do I don't yeah. care about anything else? Like and I feel like this is a, a specifically <laughs> a Marvel DC problem. Like if you start watching uh, EastEnders or like any random soap opera, I don't feel like you would have as much trouble getting caught up with well who these characters are. 
Uh, you would have some trouble, but I don't I don't feel like it would be as high a wall to climb over. There are cases where networks, I think they did this to Firefly. They do it to anime at some sometimes too. Right. Where the network just decides we're gonna show the episodes out of order. Yeah. Because we feel is better. And that's like that's kind of equivalent. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. But EastEnders but, wouldn't do that. No, EastEnders has has some self Even like they they have a system in place for like I don't okay. know 50 years what, or something. What this is like is if an actor that was on EastEnders ended up on a miniseries in another TV show <laughs> that was famous. And so then you buy the EastEnders DVD box set and then there's a random DVD of like a cop show and you're like, what? And they're like, well, the <laughs> guy who was in that episode of EastEnders showed up in this cop show. And you're yeah, like, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he was on Coronation Street for one episode. So we have to show that episode <laughs> the before you actually Street. get to EastEnders. Like awesome. the character, the, the detective in that one episode of EastEnders showed, he had a whole mini series. So we're throwing <laughs> that into this box set. And you're like, no, like I just want the EastEnders. I don't want anything else. <laughs> so anyways, that, that, I, I had to get that out of the way first. Yeah. Because I was, I, I yeah. felt no, no, no. just missed up. I feel slightly better about screwing up and reading the wrong book because clearly this is confusing <laughs> like maybe the way you did it would have been a better recommendation for a new reader so like what is what is the title of the books that you read again so uh it was volume one my life as a weapon okay and then volume two little hits yeah, I actually, I didn't want to force you guys to read that much Hawkeye. So I was like, well, just do the first two trade paperbacks. Well, I mean, I actually enjoyed the whole arc. Like, I feel like doing this as two episodes. Okay. Uh, so that we get to the end of the arc is worthwhile. Because I, like, I feel like the ending hearing you be there. Okay, hearing, I, you I agree that that, yeah. an, hearing you both say that there's an arc makes me excited to read the next two volumes, actually. Because yeah, it takes some detours to get I, there. Um, but I, it, uh, it like, I feel like there's a, like taking this whole volume is one thing. I feel like there's a really good graphic novel in here. Right. Uh, that you have to kind of like extrapate from it somehow. Right. Uh, but yeah, no, the, the parts that are good, I quite enjoyed. Yeah. Yes, I will. I will agree with that as well. It, and this is the thing, like I found it very tonally like discordant in a sense that like every, uh, I'm just going to straight up say this, like every ep issue that had David Aha, I was like in there, in it to win it. I was like, Fucking, this is the best comics anyone's ever comic These are great. Like, <laughs> I love these panels. I love the pacing, the action was amazing. And then, you know, like the Frankavilla stuff, you're like, mm, yeah, you know, and like, when David Aha isn't in there, you're just like, eh, this doesn't quite pop the same way, you know? Mm -hmm. Like every time David Despite Aha- Despite it being the same writer. Like, I think that really goes to show the importance of the artists in this, in this process. Yeah. Where you can have a script written by the same author as part of the same overarching structure and you give it to an artist who's like, not as good, I'm sorry. Yeah. And, and it's like, it's, it's subpar. Yeah. Like, yeah, because my experience reading this, like the first arc where they kind of set up Hawkeye and Kate Bishop and the pizza dog and the bros, I was like, I love this. This is amazing. You know, and they do this like heist story afterwards that's like really fun. They got the like, the the, the weird like theater troupe robbing the mob. Um, and I was like, this is great. And then like, there's the car, the car chase with like, cherry like that's so great like it's so stylish and fun and then it's just like they get into the tape and like oh the tape I was just like oh like it all just grinds to a halt um <laughs> like the art does not I don't know it I doesn't mean, carry oh, the story it doesn't okay. transmit the story as with as much sort of passion and interest yeah like I don't know there's something about Frankavilla's stuff that it's just a little bit too clunky. It doesn't have the stylishness that David Aha brings. So There's also, I will add to that, that like this arc feels 
Avengers adjacent in a way. Mm. And it's very tongue in cheek of like, yeah, Hawkeye is a is an Avenger technically, but he's also like the only one without powers, weirdly, and he kind of just has to be a guy in New York sometimes. So here's a story about him being a guy in New York. Yeah, and, and I really like shenanigans that. Shenanigans happens and it's it's got this vibe and the the tape story that you're referring to, it brings the Avengers back and you've got like shield in it and like mm-hmm. oh as as like another new reader like it presents like oh yeah here's like these three women that you're supposed to know uh they're not in costume one of them's his current girlfriend maybe the other one's his ex-wife uh i don't know who any of these people are and right. because like every time you switch artists you're like you're, here's three random women and right. it's obvious who they are oh yeah another one is like uh scarlet widow no who am i black, thinking of black widow black widow yeah okay <laughs> black widow and it's like okay black widow i know but she's just a woman right here. <laughs> yeah and it's like they they put it up as a panel with like this should have like a lot of emotional impact for you and it's like uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. the okay. women yeah I so also, yeah i, didn't uh, like I did figure out either. who one of them was later but it's also not a character i'm familiar super familiar with so yeah it doesn't doesn't have any impact and it's spider woman yeah Yes, I eventually you. figured that out. I I still hadn't <laughs> until you had just told she was, me. She was, uh, she didn't she make it? She made it. She was best friends with Jessica Jones in our uh, in our Alias episode. Guys. She was in like one <laughs> issue of that. Well, why didn't they put that issue at the beginning of the book? Then? <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, honestly, like, I mean, you're right about the Avengers stuff, but like, I also, I don't know, something about the tape. Um, specifically the plot of the tape really rubbed mm. me the wrong way because mm. um, the the whole idea is that there's a tape of Hawkeye killing a, a terrorist or a dictator or something or like an and, ambassador yeah like, like, Hawkeye, Hawkeye they, does a bad they can't they can't let this tape go out because then the, the public would know that the US government assassinates people oh, and you're not like I'm sorry is your understanding of the world like from two days ago when you were born like what is wrong with you like <laughs> people not know this yeah um, i mean we all know this don't yeah. we yeah and then like the, the end of the episode is like oh hey it wasn't hawkeye it was a guy in a hawkeye costume because they staged it to make the u.s look bad or something like i don't know the, the explanation was bad and it was no, just it like, was because the like, shield had a leak and they wanted to oh, figure out who the leak right. was. That's right. They wanted to figure out who the leak was. But you know what, like, though? In retrospect, I stand that leak. Whoever that leaker is, oh. is doing the right thing. They're the only <laughs> hero in that story. The, the leak, the leaker was the hero. But like, that's the thing. They're like, oh, we made a fake tape to see, to find this leak. It's like, oh, but you guys did assassinate that, that guy. They're like, yeah, well, we did assassinate him. You're like, what is what is this story? Like, <laughs> yeah, of course the U.S. government kills people. <sighs> like, we're shield. We're okay with that. <laughs> like, you're you're burying the lead, guys. You're burying the lead. Um, I, I did like that as a lead up into stuff that comes up again in the volumes that Jeff, you haven't read read yet. Okay, but I think it's important for that. But yeah, no, okay. I I could have done without that story altogether. Well, it's it's just because know. of of mask, right? Yeah. That's the only reason. It didn't use okay. his mask. That's it. Ah, right. And, and why mask doesn't like Kate Bishop? Right. right. And that's the that, that's the other thing that I found so weird about this book is like uh, Hawkeye gets kidnapped by Madame Mask, and she searches his ass, and that's like this weird toilet humor joke. And then it turns out that it was not Madame Mask; it was Kate Bishop dressed as Madame Mask. Uh-huh. And then it's like, oh, so Kate Bishop had her hand up Hawkeye's ass. That's great, guys. Thank you. <laughs> I think that's pure Matt Fraction. <laughs> I'm, yeah, it is. It is. But like, you know, okay. So here's something I'd like your opinion on because I maybe I'm at the disadvantage of I watched the Hawkeye show first. Okay. And in the Hawkeye show, Hawkeye's a much more composed person like he's got a wife he's got kids oh he's wow not, he's not a hot mess like he is in this comic series that's really interesting because i feel like him being a hot mess is kind of like the the point yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so so in in the series though they do a really good job of setting up kate bishop and 
she ends up in trouble and the senior Hawkeye has to help her. And he sort of becomes reluctantly becomes her mentor. And then by the end of the series, it's a real like kind of father daughter relationship. Like they set up that Kate's father died in the attack on New York city of the first Avengers movie. And so uh-huh. this Hawkeye is kind of filling in as this missing father in her life. And so for me, I really saw it as like a paternal relationship. And there's moments in this comic series where they kind of play at this idea that they might be sexually attracted to each other. So I'm just like, gross. No, 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 no. Like she's too young. He's too old. Please don't ever flirt with each other in this series. I don't like it. (laughs) I, I agree with you that there are moments where it feels like they're flirting with each other. And yet the internal canon is trying to establish that there's like a pretty significant age gap. Uh, it's interesting that you're saying like the relationship that you describe, I actually am more interested in because, Mm -hmm. uh, although I enjoyed Clint Barton as a hot mess, because I just, (laughs) I like, I like reading about people who are hot messes. That's, that's fun. That's entertaining, but it didn't fit my image of Hawkeye. Right. Like the, the Hawkeye in the Avengers is very composed and put together and does have kids right he has this like secret Mm -hmm. wife and kids and like his Mm -hmm. homestead or whatever yeah 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 so it fits a lot better and then if kate bishop was a hot mess and he kind of steps in it's like i go i'm i'm now like intentionally passing this torch and i'm not going to make you steal the bow from me or anything and uh that would make a lot more sense Mm -hmm. uh now it, it almost feels reversed in the comic books like kate bishop at the beginning is bringing this kind of moderating influence to her or sorry to his life Mm. because she's like she's rich which again we're just supposed to know and uh she's got her stuff together and so she kind of forces him to clean up a bit and is like hey if you want to hang out with me you got to be a little bit more together Mm -hmm. for reasons you know (laughs) and so uh it, it pivots a little bit i feel like the second half that we read so spoilers for books three and four uh it's not true necessarily. Yeah. Like, I feel like um, in these, uh, in this part of the story, uh, Clinton Barton is very clearly more the main character and he's a much more interesting character. Like we understand him so much better. And Kate Bishop is kind of just like around. Yeah. Uh, But she does get like a lot more complicated and interesting in the second half. Okay. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I can see what you're saying, Jeff. I mean, I, I haven't seen the Disney series, so uh, I don't have that context going in. There was kind of like, I don't know, I think just uh, Clint being a hot mess and not really being very responsible, maybe. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I didn't feel at any point like it was actually going anywhere right? between the two of them. Right. I mean, and that's true. Like, I think they did a good job of not following up on it but it just like i know there was like a few times like in cherry when she picks him up in the car and he's putting his shirt on and she's like seriously with the abs i'm like like yeah no it's not it's not like a (laughs) father-daughter relationship it's a more of like a a co-worker like an imbalanced co-worker relationship that's a that's a good way to put it if it does feel like that yeah and i don't think it was ever like at least in this version it was never really pitched as anything other than that right yeah but yeah i don't know it's but yeah the tape the tape i just was like i don't know that that one just left me cold and then the beginning of the second volume the first story is the flood story Mm. right which i narratively i really liked the flood because it was some pretty good stuff with like hawkeye building up his relationship with the neighbors and the building he's defending yeah, mm-hmm. whose name he didn't really properly know before. <laughs> yeah, and, and sort of the problems between that guy and his father and his father refusing to leave this house that's going to get flooded. And like, like some complicated stuff with like his mother's death and the fact that it was Hurricane Sandy, I thought was also really interesting. Yeah, yeah, because that's something that I feel like I would read more superhero comics if they engaged more with the real world like that. Yeah. Where like... If there's a hurricane, why aren't superheroes like helping people? And well, I, I like that it's someone who doesn't have any powers 
So he's not actually like much more capable than like a regular person. And he's just like, he's doing, he's doing hero stuff. He's like going and helping people and like someone needs help. And he's like, well, I don't really want to do this, but I'm gonna. Yeah. And, and even more so than that, like to build on what you've said, like New York is always cast as this every city maybe like, or maybe not like in every city, but like just the most important place in the world. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of these superhero plots are like, this thing is going to destroy New York. And that's like the, the stakes, right? You know, it's like, we have to, we have to stop this bad guy, Ultron or whatever this week, uh, because it's going to destroy New York. And Sandy did destroy major parts of New York. Mm -hmm. uh, and there were significant acts of everyday heroism, like what uh, Hawkeye was doing. Uh, and it wasn't superheroes. No one came to save us. And like, mm. it was it was a bad time. It was like a really traumatic time for that city that doesn't get talked about much outside of it anymore. Mm. Mm. But it's a, it's a kind of, for me personally, it's really interesting because regrettably, uh, especially as we know here in British Columbia is the type of thing that's going to start happening more and more in more and more cities. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, there, there, there seemed to be an undercurrent in the narrative that I felt like Matt Fraction was trying to talk a little bit about climate change by being like, here is an outcome of climate change in my story. It is yes. disrupting the superhero adventure. Like, <laughs> I agree with that. And I liked it for that aspect. Yeah. I thought it was mm -hmm. really cool. And it's like, floods were terrifying. Yeah, and it makes it so personal too. Like, it's, it's about these like three or four people. Like, that's what, that's what fiction is for. It's to like make big events feel personal. Yeah. Yeah. I really, that was like a frustrating arc because like a, in a good way, like I felt the mm. frustration of the character with his father refusing to leave. Like there was a, mm. a real kind of, accurately transmitted frustration that would be the type of thing that would play out all over the place you know like this is my home and it's like I've been through floods before floods aren't that bad and I'm refusing to leave and like there's this complicated emotional stuff with like mob stuff in the basement that you know uh, dad you never bothered to bring this up and now this whole part of my childhood history is washed away because you like you didn't care but it's how his grief is manifesting it was really complex actually and uh I really like that arc, actually, the more I think about it. Mm -hmm. And kind of related to that, like the main arc of the, the story is about this apartment building that, yeah. um, that Hawkeye, I'm going to keep calling him that. Um, <laughs> Haw Hawkeye purchased it with a mystery bag of money, which again, is not explained. But I not wish fully that legally, like he didn't <laughs> well, sign the right paperwork. He doesn't technically own it. I was going to say, like, that's I, fun. <laughs> I think that they, they hand wave away the thing that like, essentially he talks about, Oh, I get paid a wage by the Avengers. So he just has all this money uh -huh. being an Avenger. So he just like, so he's not like, Tony is that Stark true? Rich. Is that true? Is that what that bag of money was supposed to be? Cause I couldn't figure it out. I oh, thought that yeah, he no, no, got no. that bag of in, money in the, from a job. No, in the in the narrative somewhere in the dialogue, uh, in his thought process, he talks about how like he 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 doesn't he gets paid by Shield for being an Avenger, and he just doesn't spend it on anything. So he's got all this money squirreled away. So okay, um, yeah. uh, it didn't, Hawk, it didn't quite land for me. Hawkeye is also rich. <laughs> well, he, but he's not like mega rich. He's just like he's rich enough to build buy a building in New York illegally yeah. from the mafia in cash. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty rich. <laughs> it is. He's, but I, I don't know. I mean, I like that he's sort of, he's using his money. He's using the resources he has. He's using his superhero-ness yeah. to say, no, okay, I don't want these people evicted. I'm mm -hmm. going to do something about it. And he's like really bad at it. Because like he could just, he, he needs to sign that paperwork or none of this is legal. Uh, and he's like not doing a very good job of dealing with these uh bros tracksuit bros um because like he just can't seem to get rid of them and he's not he's just mostly just holed up in the apartment building and but i, I like that because it's like relatable problems sort of relatable enough it's like a superhero having to deal with like real ish people not like mystery space gods and just 
I also just like that he's so terrible at his job. <laughs> he's a hot mess. It's fun to read about people who are hot messes. Yeah, he, he's got good intentions and like uh, some really good skills, uh, but not enough of the right kind of skills for the exact situation he's in. Yeah. Word. Yeah, I mean, and that's to hire a lawyer to get that paperwork. Okay. <laughs> just ask his, you just ask his best buddy, Daredevil. Like. <laughs> Daredevil's busy. Yeah. Like I do like, um, which uh, that that flood issue, by the way, uh, John. Did you notice that that's Steve Lieber? Uh, oh, is no, it? Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, it's not just Steve Lieber, is it? Or is it? I, it's hard to tell where the when so, issue begins and the next one ends. I guess one of the issues is. It's it says it's um here because of my I think the no credits, you're right I'm looking at it now the credits are a little clear issue seven was Steve Lieber and Jesse Ham. So, okay. oh, how nice. No, that's the one with okay. the um where they watch a movie. No, no, no. It it's number seven should be the the flood. Okay, all right. Yeah, no, I, I like Steve Lieber. He's good. Yeah, I which like yeah, Lieber. some of some of these pages I can see Steve Lieber, and then some of these pages I'm like, that must be Jesse Ham, because that doesn't look like Steve Lieber. Um, or it could be the inker too. It's hard to tell. Yeah. Um but uh I I it those that issue didn't seem as discordant as the Francavilla stuff, which is weird because I think Francavilla is trying to draw like David Aha, <laughs> where Steve Lieber's not trying to draw like David Aha, but I preferred just seeing like, okay, you you're not David Aha, don't don't draw like David Aha then, like <laughs> your own thing. Yeah, no, there, there's an issue. I feel like Francavilla is the guy you call when. David Aha hasn't turned in his pages and he needs someone to draw 24 pages in a, in a week. Right. God. Yeah. <laughs> and he can do it, but he'll like have half of your characters as just silhouettes. Yeah. Big heads. <laughs> Monthly um, schedule was a mistake. <laughs> yes. I mean, I mean, honestly, like the way the art sort of like, like every, even in these two trade paperbacks, it's like, oh, like, David Aha, this issue, this issue, not this issue, but back on this issue. And then Frank Avila for these issues. And it's just like, oh God, just like take a year off, let David Aha do the whole thing and then just release a beautiful graphic novel instead of like month yeah. by month by month by month. Like yeah. here's a filler issue, you know? It's, it's really interesting because at this point, They've been they've been so used to being top dog for so long, and superhero comics are notoriously reluctant to change their ways. Mm -hmm. And they keep doing these like stunts, you know, these crossovers, these uh, reissues, the number ones, the reboots, right? But I think at this point, considering like we've we've said several times that we're actually in a golden age of the graphic novel, yeah, Marvel could learn a lot. Mm -hmm. from the graphic novel not okay so the graphic novel publishing schedule as it stands right now also has problems and is still a little bit aggressive but at least they are looking at like a, a book <laughs> mm -hmm. at a book rather than these like month by month issues and it's like that could be I mean go back to the discussion that we had at the beginning and how hard it was just to find a bloody book <laughs> to read consistently and how to like come to this as a new reader taking a more graphic novel based perspective might be the shift that they need uh yeah. call me marvel to solve all your business problems honestly I would, <laughs> I would just love if they would just take all their published work bundle it to, together however they want to bundle it but then just like the first ever published spider-man story graphic novel number one number two number three and so like yeah maybe that means that the graphic novel i recommend you guys read is like number 350 but like at least you'd know like oh it's in this reading order like <laughs> so i i actually did buy i i kind of mentioned this on twitter around christmas they did okay now coming back to comiXology can yeah. i actually find my my account anymore like where where is my comicsology library? Be, I need to go outside and like get my iPad. 
It'll be mixed in with all the other things you purchased on Amazon. It's exactly what I want from my That's, comics, yeah. right? You don't um, want to and not be able to find them. <laughs> but to, before we leave this point, it's like they they did do start doing that. Yay! I found the comic books, the hundreds of comic books that I bought from Comicsology. Hey, we're gonna cut uh, like a bunch of that because it takes too long. But it took like five minutes for Jen to find those comics. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So they have Ultimate Spider-Man Volume One Collection, Ultimate Spider-Man two thousand to two thousand nine, Daredevil by Bendis and Maliev Ultimate Collection Volume One, and then there's like even more of them which are like older ones god but where are they in my stupid thing can i search this no of course not all right uh, avengers avengers masterworks volume one so this is this is a really interesting kind of repackaging that they're they're doing and i haven't read it yet so i don't know how well it actually holds together but it's like avengers masterworks volume one avengers 1963 to 1966 that does feel mm. like they are trying to go back and collect right the older stuff with some sort of sanity mm-hmm. and i'm glad they're taking that perspective yes that is and i'm i'm that. i'm hoping that it, it does end up being enjoyable to read i haven't read it yet to be honest you got some uh, some jack kirby there so at least you get some fun art well, this is exactly it right yeah. You know, it's like, cause I've, I, as someone who didn't get into comics back in the floppy days uh, for complicated cultural general reason, gender reasons, you know, now having like a, a pretty broad understanding of comics in general, I want to go back. I want to read Jack Kirby because it's very famous, but like it's, it's to, it still is probably a little bit impenetrable to be mm-hmm. like, well, how do I read some Jack Kirby? Because he's all over the place, right? Mm-hmm. You know, because of this this issue of switching artists every uh, issue, and they don't build the artist like they build the writers. And so, yeah. And it's, I mean, like, yeah, it's, I mean, I got rid of a whole bunch of my monthly comics because they took up a lot of space and replaced some with graphic novels. And then others, I was like, oh, I'll buy those graphic novels later. And now I'm just like, I'm kind of regretting that I don't just have like a long box of the original issues because at least I could just go like, here is the chronological story. And mm-hmm. someone hasn't just like wedged a Young Avengers issue in the middle. <laughs> and like, it doesn't start in like the wrong spot. And, you know, and then like the filler issues, I can just throw those out and just be like, here's the actual run with the creator, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, yes, we'll save we'll save Marvel Comics with all of our good ideas. <laughs> I don't know. I've been saying stuff on the, like this on Twitter for a decade, and they haven't what? listened to it yet. <laughs> they yeah. haven't caught on to John Dalton's no. Twitter. Found advice. <laughs> yeah, actually, we should be careful. Probably, we're gonna we're gonna get a lot of uh, like Comics Gate trolls, like eh. being like, "No, no, eh. you're wrong. This is." Eh. I'm trying. I'm trying. Anyways, um, uh, yeah, I think I think it's worth us doing superheroes because like there is good stuff here and like this is an important part of comics as a whole. I agree, and I'm willing and to keep trying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree too. I bought all those things. Look yeah. how hard I'm trying, guys. Hurt <laughs> was made. Right. Um, yeah. Well, I, I actually have more to say, but I think we should save it for our next episode because we're gonna have to do another episode. You didn't didn't even get to the uh, dog issue. <laughs> I like the dog. Yeah. I'm pro dog. Mm-hmm. Oh, and uh, actually, sorry. I'm gonna. I gotta apologize to Fran- Francesco Francavilla because uh, the artist I don't like is Javier Polito. Okay, I was wondering about that. I, you know what, I don't. One, one more thing I don't like about the way this book is collected is it doesn't <laughs> credit the artists at the beginning of their chapter. To be honest, I had no idea that it was switching. I, I, sorry, I, I was, I was thinking of the last name I said, and then I'd even introduced them at the start. So yeah, Javier Polito is the pinch hitting artist. Right. Uh, he he's he's the one who is, I assume, very fast. Yes. And he keeps getting callbacks because he is so fast. Yeah. 
Right. He's a reliable worker and good, good on him for doing his job under Someone, very trying no, circumstances. No one else could have done yes. a 24-page comic in a week. Yeah, but for, yeah, Frank Which is, I assume, the case. Yeah. I'm just assuming that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I was going to say, Frank Avila did the other non-David Aha run in volume two for me, which is the origin of the clown Oh, yeah, I really like that art. And so I, I apologize I too. to him, too. I like your art, Frank Avila. Yeah, and actually, I also, uh, I said Matt Hollingsworth colored everything. Frank Avila colored his own pages, so. Wow. I did, I, I liked that. And colored it, yeah. I liked that clown arc. I thought that was very stylish. Yeah, I want to say more about the color, too, but we'll save that for next episode. It yeah. was good, is the short version. <laughs> color, good. Color, color is a, I would say another, like, like David Aha and then the coloring by Matt Hollingsworth. Like those are the two big selling points. And then like, yes, Matt Fraction writes a pretty good script, but like, I think artists need to get top billing in this series. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, they can, they can share credit. They're, they're, they're both important. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. There's a um, lot of room to grow from where we are, which is like Matt Fraction only acknowledged. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Which I'm sure even Matt Fraction would want to change, but I don't know. I haven't met him personally, well, but he seems like he's on the level. I mean, he shared credit during um, Chip with Chip Zdarsky during Sex Criminals, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It stands and that's something to reason. he has more control over, right? Yeah, as it was an image comic, right? So I don't think this series being pitched as the uh, Matt Fraction series is a Matt Fraction thing. Yeah, one. Uh, we'll one give him th- the benefit of the doubt. One other thing I'll say about uh, artists getting their due the Disney plus series uh, very, very heavily uses David Aha's aesthetics for the opening and closing titles of the series. And I have heard through the grapevine that David Aha gets a big fat nothing burger for that. Oh, (laughs) I I heard that as well. Like, so I, I monitored some Twitter rumblings to that effect, which is one of the reasons why it made me interested in this series. So uh, boo get, on that, Disney. Yeah, boo yeah, on yeah. that. Like, I mean, on I know that legally speaking, you can't copyright an art style. Uh, but if you're the Disney Corporation and have all the money in the world, I think you can find a way to like cut David Aha in on this somehow. Yeah, you'd get be surprised. Draw They're some like stuff for you or something. They are notorious. They are just like. Uh, they're trying to get people off their royalties too. And like, uh, oh man, oh you man. Know, you don't make like $25 billion without uh, um, like cutting people out of the picture. Yeah, I mean, not that this makes it any better, but apparently if you go to the media with a sad enough story, Disney will very quietly, privately cut you a check if you'll shut up and go away. Uh, <laughs> it's not good enough. Yeah, no. I mean, no, it's terrible. But like, um, this is why you don't hear about this stuff a lot because they'll pay people enough to keep quiet so that there isn't enough uh, squeaking. What about people who are not in, like, what about, say, a Stan Lee who was like not able to speak for himself at the end? Like, right. he's not going to be going to the media with, with sob stories. Nope. Nope. Anyways, on that happy note, yeah. <laughs> stay tuned for probably lots more good things we can say about the next issue and maybe some more bad things if we think of it. Yeah, I'm sorry. I realized that uh, I'm excited now actually to read more David Aha, Matt Fraction, Hawkeye, because the last, see, the last chapter I read was the dog issue, which mm-hmm. in my opinion, where I'm at in the story is the pinnacle of Matt Fraction and David Aha's achievement uh, is the dog issue. So for the, for the world from more. the perspective of a dog. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I, I, I waded through Amazon here. And so Hawkeye volume three is LA woman and yeah. Hawkeye volume four is Rio Bravo. And that does look correct. Okay. Uh, from what we have read. So if you are a listener and you haven't purchased <laughs> the Omnibus, Hawkeye by Fraction and Aja, the saga of Barton and Bishop, 
you can buy the two books that Jeff mentioned at the beginning, My Life as a Weapon and uh, Little Hits. And then next time we will cover LA Woman and Rio Bravo. Okay, finally, after <laughs> two hour Zoom call, we have figured out one comic series. <laughs> Oh my god. We've only produced like 60 episodes of Triplets. It's okay. We're more than 60. <laughs> I don't know. Do we have now? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna check. Because we've we've done it. We never talk about this on the on the show, but we've done a lot of episodes. Yeah. Well yeah, we should um we should mention our Kofi and all those other good stuff. Uh, I don't this know. This is gonna we... be episode 84 that we're doing. Oh right my now. goodness. Oh wow. wow, there we go. 84, man. Okay. So we all love talking comics and we buy the comics with our own money, which is fine because we love reading them and we love getting together and chatting with them. And John does all the editing out of the goodness of his heart, which I'm sure he's all loves. the ample time that I have. He's, he's profoundly uh patient. But uh this is a show that is not without expenses. Uh the biggest one being our Spotify, right? No, 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 SoundCloud. SoundCloud. Yeah. So, SoundCloud costs a lot of money if you're putting a whole podcast on it. Uh, yeah, it will explain it a little bit if you can. Uh, so, I mean, you can use SoundCloud for free if you're doing like music tracks, but like once you have uh, like a certain number of, I forget if it's a certain number of megabytes or a certain number of like hours worth of content, you have to have a subscription in order to host all that. And then uh, SoundCloud is where our content gets pushed out to like all the other places you can listen to trade winners. Okay. So in essence, SoundCloud is our hosting. Yeah. And it's like a hundred something per year, right? Yeah. So Jeff very generously put together a Kofi for us, which is like a little fundraising service. So if you've enjoyed, uh, I'm sure you've listened to every single one of the 84 episodes of the trade waiters, but if you've enjoyed any of it uh, and you wouldn't mind like kicking a couple of bucks our way to help us cover hosting, we would greatly appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. And do we want to do shout outs? Yes, I have a shout out. I would like to shout out a YouTube channel called Casually Comics. So I am the trade waiter responsible for hating on superheroes. However, <laughs> lots of people love superheroes and i found uh a youtuber her name is sasha she's in guelph and she does a fantastic job talking about superhero comics and uh she did a great episode on i am not starfire which i haven't <laughs> read but not only did she go into like a lot of the background of like starfire as the character but like went into the twitter drama and like the build-up to this book even being released so she's obviously very plugged into the community and then she does like a really fair and balanced review of the book itself so i am excited to see more of her content and learn more about uh superhero comics from her so check out casually comics on youtube right on okay and uh, i'm jam i'm i'm gonna check that out casually comics that sounds that sounds like something i'd be interested in um, yeah we can catch up on all the drams she seems she seems up on it i <laughs> I yeah sorry I, well, I sorry I was about to say there's a YouTube channel I discovered but I don't want to do it two shout outs so I'm gonna save that um, so uh, yeah I was actually gonna shout out a real book um, I'm gonna shout out Direct Action Gets the Goods which is a uh, comic anthology by the Graphic History Collective which is based in Ontario somewhere and it is a very short anthology about the history of unions and collective action in Canada hosted by this black cat, which I learned is a symbol for labor cool. called the Sabo cat or Sab cat. I assume from like saboteur. Yes. Because the, that was the, the, the word saboteur comes from like the shoes that workers would throw into the machine so the machine would break. Yeah, so the the cat was to encourage you to pounce uh, at at when the moment was right uh, to get what you want. Uh, oh. So, anyways, I I finished reading it today. It's very short, but it's also very pro labor and pro union. So nice, good stuff. All right, um, I'm JD, and I have nothing to shout out. I've only been <laughs> reading textbooks. <laughs> Nothing interesting at all. Oh, fundamental textbook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
If you want to learn how to be a teacher librarian, you can learn the collection program in schools by Marsha A. Mattis. Wow. <laughs> if you if have no plans to be a teacher librarian, why would you read that book? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm sure you've helped somebody who wants to be a teacher librarian. No, because you might take a course from a different professor and they have a different textbook. Mm, fair. <laughs> The Trade Writers is presented by Cloudscape Comics. We'd like to thank Sleuth for the music. You can find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for listening.